Hey, I'd like to welcome you here to Mariner's Church. I'm Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's so good that you chose to uh, tune in and watch us, and so thank you for your, your time. Have you ever uh, had kind of weird superstitions in your life, you know, like carrying around a rabbit's foot, or, or when I was growing up, a thing in our family was knock on wood. Do you ever do the knock on wood thing? It means if you say something about a bad situation, and, and if you don't, you know, knock on wood, it's, it's going to happen to you, like, you know. I've never had tuna casserole and, you know, and knock on wood, say something like that. Our series is beliefs that can drive you crazy because there are certain beliefs that you can hold on to, whether they're superstitions or whether they're sometimes statements that uh, you kind of hold on to, that they can make us absolutely bonkers if, if, we, if we live them. And we're not talking only about silly superstitions, but there are things about life and even about our spiritual lives and, and they can kind of veer you off, I think, in the direction that God would want. And they could actually, over time, mess you up. At first, they sound, they sound really, really great. Like, like, if I'm spiritual enough, I won't have any problems. If I'm close enough to God, things will always work out right. Last week, we, we talked about, I can put the past behind me. Now, if you were paying attention last week, I actually said, not you can put my past behind me. I, I said, actually, <laughs> you, you can forget about what's in your behind. Wait for it. There you go. Okay, I said that. Well, today, and, and this one sounds hyper-spiritual, really hyper-spiritual for all of us, and it goes something like this. Whatever I'm going through, whatever pressure I'm facing, Whatever challenge I have in my life, whatever issue it is, all I need to do is give it all to God and everything will be okay. In fact, it kind of goes the reason that I am challenged or struggling or having to work through an issue that's not, not going away is because I haven't committed myself enough to God or I haven't committed the problem enough to God. Have, have you ever said that? I don't know if you, you ever have. And it sounds great, doesn't it? And, and some of you are thinking of burning me at the stake when, I, when I'm done with this. But honestly, it's one of those things that if you begin to open it up a little bit, you can realize this can, can kind of mess me up. Maybe you're facing a problem or a big thing and you're stressed out about it or freaking out about it. And a well-meaning friend says, you know, the problem is you're holding back. You're holding back of giving it to God. And if only you would release it all to God, then it would go away. You can sometimes pick these things up if you oftentimes watch maybe, maybe TV church. And, and they'll say, you know, if you really ha know all that God has for you, and if you really give everything you have to God, then it would transform you, and God would give you this, and God would give you that, and God would give you these kinds of healings and these kinds of surpluses in, in your life, and everything will be fine. But you really just simply need to surrender more, more to God. And so you do what? You surrender more to God. You, you give it more to God. And the next day, you do what? You take it right back again. Or it doesn't work. 
And so you say, well, I must not have given it to God enough. And so you give it to God even more the next day, and it's still around. And so you say, there must be something wrong with me because I'm not giving it enough to God. And so you give it more to God. It could be a major deal in life or a temptation issue or depression or raising your kids or personal problem or your marriage. And you say, man, I just, I just need to give it to God more. But it keeps coming back again and again and again. Our temper is still there. Our struggle, our challenge can still be there. And, and, and it, can, it can do one of two things, and sometimes both. First of all, it can lead to guilt. I'm not trusting God enough. I'm not claiming what I have in Christ enough. I don't have enough faith. I'm not strong enough in my faith, and therefore this thing is still going on. Or the second thing it can really lead to is disappointment with God. God, I feel like I've given enough to you. I feel like I've surrendered as much as I can to you. How come it's still there? I had a really good friend, um, 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 good buddy of mine, and, and his challenge in life was, was cocaine. He was a, a cocaine addict. I mean, not, at, not an everyday thing. He was a strong believer in Christ. But he would get so worked up every week with his job and with stress and all that that actually cocaine would help calm him down. And so Friday night or Saturday night, he'd drive over the hill to Redwood City to a guy he knew, and he'd buy, he'd buy some coke. And then he'd, he'd take it, he'd do it, and then he'd call me up and say, Paul, i got to meet with you, i got to meet with you. And I always knew what it was going to be about. And, and, and he'd, he'd, we'd connect and, and, and talk, and he'd be shattered and broken and guilty, and he'd say, I, I, I did it again. I, I just got to give it to the Lord. I really just have to give this up to the Lord. I've got to give this to Jesus. And I'd say, man, that's what you did the last time. <laughs> I was there, remember? You know, you, you, you gave it to Jesus. And he said, well, I, I guess I must not have really given it to Jesus. This time I really, really will be committed to Jesus and I said, <clears throat> but that's what you said the time before that. <laughs> There's got to be more for you than this. And I asked him, is it possible that God has provided other things than just being more committed? And here's the reality, and, and this is a, a, a one of those foundations for your growth spiritually and in life. God has created an awesome partnership where we work out the challenges and issues in our lives alongside the help and strength he provides. It's a partnership that God has placed in us and with us. The Bible says this, continue to work out your salvation. That would be the life that we would have now, not finding eternal life in Jesus, but this would be the life we have now with Jesus. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. The fear and trembling part is kind of awe and respect, and, and it's a great work we're doing. For it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Did you hear that? Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work within you. You work out your part, and God works within. And what it's saying here is there's a whole lot of stuff we need to do. God works, 
but I need to work too. And God gives me the abilities, and God gives me the resources, and God gives me the stuff, and the strength, and the power, and the people to work it out. Growth and spiritual change come from God working and me working. Let's do a little exercise if we can for a second, okay? Um, take a second and try and identify the challenge or the problem maybe that's number one in your life right now. You know, the big thing that you're, you're working through or trying to struggle through. Um, those things that you wonder why God maybe has not helped you with or has not healed you through yet. Or maybe it's a temptation that you just simply haven't been able to get over or something you keep stumbling over. It may be a temper thing. It may be, it may be an unforgiveness thing. It may be a practical thing, money, something like that. And, 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 and you say, I've given it to God a bunch of times. I, I gave it to God a year ago, and it came back. I gave it to God last month, and it, and it came back. I keep committing myself to God, but I still am struggling and getting hammered with this. And so you and, and, and I, we still carry the load of this thing on our backs. And we start now, maybe you've gotten on yourself for this. What I want to say is God really is at work setting the course and the growth for us to take the resources and the abilities that he's given us to grow through this. God's at work, even right now in your life, in my life. He's setting the course and the growth for us to take the resources and the abilities that he's given us. Meaning it's not just so simple as saying, God, I give this to you, take it away. Sometimes it gets pushed back at us because God has said, there's more to it than that. Remember, God says, I'm going to work out in you, but I have to work out my salvation. And so what I want to do is kind of helping us grasp this whole partnership that we have with God in our spiritual growth and in our life growth I want to talk about the abilities that God has given us, the things that God has put in us for us to be able to now work out. The abilities that God has given us to partner with him with the challenges in our lives. So instead of just giving it to God, here's how we work it out with God working within. And this is what I have the ability to do, and this is huge. And this was huge for my growth, and hopefully it'll be huge for your growth as well. First of all, here are the abilities that God has given us. I have the ability to ask for help from God and others. You hear that? I have the ability, God has given us the ability to ask for help from God because he's there and from others. Now, if it's temptation or if it's a challenge, it is humbling and it takes all kinds of humility to ask for help from others. I get that. I understand that. But we also have to recognize that we can't do these things alone. Maybe you can't stop eating or you can't stop spending money or being depressed. And you can ask God and you can ask God for help and you should. But you should also ask others as well. The Bible says this, terrific verse. It says, share each other's troubles and problems and in this way obey the law of Christ. It means the law of Christ, of loving one another, means that we will then be sharing our troubles and our problems and our challenges with each other. It's part of the package deal of loving each other. 
Uh, and that's why we say, you know, church is not just simply a place to go. Church actually means a group of people that are called out to live this life that Jesus has placed in our lives. We're called out for mission and we're called by God to be together and live together. The Bible says we're called to do this. And we have that ability to ask for help from God and others. So my, my friend Bill, who was um, uh, um, um, just struggling like crazy with cocaine, it was a killer thing for him. Um, um, and, and we were meeting, and, and, I, and I, I finally said to him, oh, you know, tell me what's going through your head, you know, when, when, when you just get so hyped and you've got to drive over to Redwood City. And, and he did. And I said, okay, I understand that. And so what I did is I, I took a piece of paper about, about this big, and I wrote in huge letters, Paul, my name, and then I wrote underneath it in, in big letters, my phone number. And I took some tape, and I went out to his truck, and I taped my name and my phone number right there on his dashboard, right there on the dashboard of his truck, right there. And, and I said, okay, every time now you drive to Redwood City to pick up your drugs, you'll have to stare at my name and number the whole stinking time. Every time you're driving up Highway 1, every time you turn right onto 92, every time you go over and go down 101, guess whose name and number is going to be there staring at your face? And all you have to do, Bill, all you have to do is pull over, pick up your phone, anytime, and I will come and get you. And I will come and spend time with you. I'll meet you where you are. And he said to me, oh, great. Now, now if I don't call you, I'll have double guilt, you know, for this. But the Bible says, share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. We have the ability to reach out to other people. And oftentimes, for us, it's, it's one of the hardest things. Because we're now having to admit to other people that we're hurting or that we're broken or that we have temptations, or that we have flaws. The reality is, is you are hurting, and you are broken, and you do have temptations, and you do have flaws. How can you love me if I don't reveal those to you? And how can I love you if you don't reveal those to me? And that's why we have other people in our lives. And that's why God gives us other people. And sometimes when we say to God, God, take this away, God will say, I will take it away. As you call upon your brothers and sisters that are around you, they can be there for you and with you. Second, I have the ability to turn from the evil that I discover inside myself. When you start following Christ, all of a sudden you realize how crazy selfish you are, um, how crazy sinful you are. And when we discover what's inside us, actually we have the ability to turn from it. You have the ability to say, I don't want to side with that part of me. I want to be different now. Great verse. I call this the Pac-Man verse of the Bible. It says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. 
But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I call this the Pac-Man verse because Pac-Man was, was uh, one of the earliest video games. And, and if you've never seen it, ask your, I was going to say your parents. Now ask your grandparents about it and they'll tell you all about it. And what it was, was it was, the, it was this little thing that would kind of go around and eating some dots, you know, blah, 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 like, like this. It would go up and down these things. And there was little hairy things. And if you ran into one of those hairy things, he would just kind of melt and dissolve and all that. And I, and I was never good at that, but I'm never good at any of those things anyway. But as, as I remember watching other people play, I would always see that the video game would provide an opportunity for escape for that little Pac-Man guy. Always. There was always a way to escape. If you were quick enough and if you could move to it fast enough, there was always a way out. And that's what this verse is saying. There's always a way out. And what God has given me and you is the ability now to find that way out. Now, it's not always that easy. Um, we enjoy sometimes our bitterness, and we sometimes enjoy our unforgiveness, or we enjoy our envy. But we need to realize that these are ruining our lives. And so when we say to God, God, just take away this desire. Just take it away. And I'll commit myself to you so this desire will go away. It's not always that simple. Because now we can really call upon others to say, i got to be accountable to you for this issue. And we then need to trust that when that white knuckle temptation comes, I have the ability to say no. God has given me that ability to say no. Next one. I have the ability to find out what needs were not met when I grew up in my family and then take those needs to the family of God where they can be met. This one's a little complex, and it's a little complicated, so let me take just a moment on this. As you were growing up, there were flaws in your family. There are flaws in all our family. I told my kids as, as they're growing up, I said, I'm sure I messed you up in a bunch of different ways. And guess what? You're going to mess your kids up in a bunch of different ways as well. That's just simply the brokenness of, of humanity. I didn't want to. I didn't try to. But I did. And if in growing up, you or, or me, we missed a necessary ingredient in growing up, um, somehow we need to figure that out and we need to learn it. We need to learn that skill. How do you learn how to be a father or a dad? Well, from your father or your dad. And let's say your father or dad was absent or present, but not, did not help with modeling. Where do, you, where do you learn that? Let's say your family was terrible at sharing with each other, opening up, getting deep, expressing love. How do you, how do you learn that? Terrific verse. God promises, it says this, God sets the lonely into families. Think about that for a second. God said, I promise I will take you lonely, hurting, broken, and I'll put you into a family. Well, how does God do that? One of the things that a church or a body of Christ, a community of believers is called, is family. It's called the family of God. We want that to be real here. And I talked about that a moment ago, about how we 
are there for each other. We need to be a new family for each other and for people that never experienced a healthy family before. Some people don't know what it's like to be able to open up and be forgiven because they never felt that growing up. It can happen here. It can happen in your life group. This can become a new family. This is the new family that God has created. And then you can come and you can learn what it's like to be forgiven and you can learn what it's like to be loved. You can learn what it's like to be able to reveal yourself to somebody and have them not judge you. I have the ability to find out what was missing in my other family. And God has now given us a second chance to become healed. And it's not just simply saying, God, I give it to you. God says, this is where health comes from, by getting connected and involved. Last one. I have the ability to continue to seek God. And here is now where we reach up to God for help. I, I remember growing up, um, and um, when you're growing up and you're a kid, you know, you, you become a food machine because you just need all these calories, you know, and you're, you're eating this, you're eating that. And, and you're always hungry, and you come home from school, and you come home from exercise, whatever, and, you, and your mom would say, now, don't eat food, don't eat junk, because you're going to do what? You're going to spoil your dinner. Remember that? So you're going to spoil your dinner. And I was thinking, Mom, you're making tuna casserole. I want to spoil my dinner. But the idea was, if you fill yourself up with bad, you'll have no room for the good. And I said that to my kids. You know, If you're going to fill yourself up with the bad, you'll have no room for the good. And the stuff that you've filled up on is not going to be healthy for you. And the same is true um, in your heart, in your life. Filling your mind with the good. I have the ability to fill my heart and my mind with the good. And that creates a character and a life in my life. Gives me strength. The Bible says this, For your thoughts, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. God continually promises that if you seek after him, you'll find him. We talk a lot here in this church family about becoming. Um, God wants you you're in a, to become something. You already are, but he wants you to become something more. Something, everything that you've dreamed about becoming and everything that he's dreamed about you becoming as well. And becoming, and part of that becoming is I have abilities to seek God, to do the work, to stop the isolation, to reach out to others, to open my heart up. It's a very spiritual to be involved in healing, in your own healing. To realize that God is at work in my life. To do His work, His growth. It's also very healing to know that I work that out as well to do my part. And I don't just kick back or sit back and say, God, I've given it to you. You do it all. But God says, I've given you an ability to go on a very exciting journey. 
a journey of discovery, a journey of becoming. God has given you and me the abilities and strength to do our part in working out that solution. This all started because of what God has done for you and for me. God has always had an intense interest in your life, all our lives, an intense interest in your life. In just a moment, we are going to be taking what we call at Mariners the Lord's Supper, called Communion, the Eucharist. Um, you may be new to this. We invited you a few moments ago to just bring a little morsel, a little something to eat, and this little small thing to drink. Um, and you may be asking, why, why does this even happen? Jesus said, eat the bread and drink the juice. Why? One word. That word is remember. Remember what? Remember what God did to establish a loving relationship with you. That's what he's saying. Remember. The bread, the cracker, whatever it is you have there that you're about to eat. We were distant from God. I mean very distant. Not, not just in location, but in relationship. Our sins separated us from God. And God's intense interest in you. He came to live among us. Taking the bread, you're saying, I am declaring my faith in believing that Jesus is God among us. And the cup that you have, we were separated from God because of our sins. And, and God's intense interest in your life said, I love them too much to be separated because of their sins. Sin needs to be punished. I don't want to punish them. I love them too much. So I'll punish my son instead. And Jesus said, I love them too much for them to be punished. I'll take the punishment. He paid the cost. The cost was his death on the cross. And so the cup symbolizes that, his blood. And this is one thing you can give entirely to God. Your sin. In a moment, the worship team are going to be playing a song, and, and as they do, if you haven't gathered the cup and the, and, the, and the bread yet, do that. If you have, hold on to it. Listen to the words of the song. Sing if you like. Um, just remember. Remember what he did. And then in a moment, we'll take together. <laughs> 